Open your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 12 and verse 16. I want to read there and then pray over the word as we get into it today. So Romans 12, starting in verse 16, he says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to what you do, careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. And if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Forgive us as we approach it today of any sin that we've committed against you. And Holy Spirit, illuminate it to us today. Thank you that it'll be life uh, to us, bread uh, and, and water to our bones today. I thank you that you build us up uh, by your scripture. And you take, Lord, the, the poverty of my remarks and deliver it as you would have it to go to each heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. So just a quick Recap, we went through a little bit of talk about sanctification out of the book of Colossians. Remember how Jesus fills in the gaps in our life of who we say we are as a Christian and what our life looks like lining up to that. And in that, when we're reading in Colossians 3, uh, he talks about forgive one another. And when I hit on that, reading it and teaching on it, it just kind of kept expanding. And so we've, we've gone a couple of weeks now talking about forgiveness, that forgiveness is a supernatural act of faith empowered by grace that glorifies God the Father. Amen? And, 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 and as I just kept going to it, I was like, Lord, there keeps being more there. There's more that is on my heart that, that I want to share and I want to talk about. So last week we talked about forgiveness is not forsaking justice. You, you can want things to be made right. That's a good thing to want. Scripture tells us in Psalm 37 that the Lord himself loves justice, that justice is a good thing for us to want. Uh, we just revoke revenge. We, 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 we set aside that option and that uh, avenue of revenge against those who have hurt us and, and harmed us. So we're back in Romans 12 today. And again, this, this passage from 9 to 21 has just been a huge encouragement to me. It's a timely reminder of what my Bible has uh, captioned at the top, Christian ethics. Or, or the way that you live, the principles that govern your life and the way that you behave. Because how many of you know Christians are supposed to be different? Amen. And so this reminds us how we're supposed to walk as a Christian. So again, we're, we're going to go through a few more things on forgiveness today. But as always, when we're walking through things like this, that tell us how to live, it's important that we remember that we don't do that in our own strength. Because if we take a list and we try to do it just in our own strength, apart from God, apart from the help and the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to end up weary and heavy laden, right? We're going to end up burdened and worn out. This, this isn't something that we're responsible for being on our own. Uh, as Marty brought up when we were in Bible study Wednesday night, he never addresses anything in our life without giving us the ability to deal with it. Yeah. 
He never deal with that issue in our life. Because otherwise we'd be hopeless if he just brought up something that's like, hey, you need this. You don't have it. There's hopelessness in between. And that's not how he operates. So again, we're in the same text as last week. We're going to answer some more questions. Some of the things we're going to talk about in the area of forgiveness is, have I forgiven if I haven't forgotten? Right? That's one question we're going to talk about. What about have I forgiven if it still hurts? If it still hurts, have I yet forgiven? Then have I forgiven if I haven't reconciled with the one who sinned against me? And is forgiveness a, a private secret matter just within my own heart? How, how, does, that, how does that work? And, and, and so we're going to talk about those things. But first I want to reinforce just really quick the, the, the power of forgiveness and the danger of unforgiveness. Because we're spending time on this because it's not a small issue. It's not a small issue in our life. It's not a small issue in our heart. This can be a big, big, big thing for, for us. So in verse 17 there in Romans 12, he says, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Now, this is crucial because we have to avoid sinning in response to somebody sinning against us. We have got to avoid that. There is danger there for us. We have to avoid or resist sinning in response to someone who has sinned against us. And that is our carnal response. That's our earthly response that we read about in Colossians 3. One of those things that we need to put to death, the things that belong to our earthly nature, our, our earthly and carnal response when we're sinned against, when somebody hurts us, is we become angry and we want to hurt the person that hurt us. That's what we want to do. That, that's what our reflex as a human is that, that that's where we start from their sin against us draws us in and tempts us to respond in the same way sinning against them and then normally what we do is we justify ourselves in doing it well this is only happening because of what you did to me right has anybody you, you ever dealt with that well you, Stephen you're being a jerk well I, you may be right but let me tell you why I'm being a jerk it's because of what you did Right. I wouldn't have to be acting like this if you hadn't done this. You made me mad and now you have to deal with this. That, that's that's our fleshly response. And if that didn't happen to you, you can just learn from me today. That, that happens to me. I have to deal with that and have to work through that. But my response is I want to hurt and or punish the person who hurt me. And, and I justify myself in doing it. And, and so when I when I take that up. Right. When I start down that path, compassion disappears. Me, me thinking about them in any way that is loving or compassionate or empathetic, that disappears. And what it's replaced with is, is malice, where I really don't care if I hurt you because you hurt me. That's what malice means is that I, I, it doesn't bother me if I hurt you because in my mind now you deserve it because of what you did to me. Right. And, and, and we can see that that's the evil for evil that he's talking about, that that's sin for sin. And, and he's telling us not to do it because he knows that's our natural reaction. You don't have any instructions in here for things that aren't in our capability to do or aren't in our natural reaction. He's like, hey, when somebody sins against you, don't fly 
Don't fly around. Why? Because that's not going to happen. That's not something I can do. But he knows this is something that not only I can do, but if I'm not paying attention, I will do. This is what's going to be my default. Train myself. He doesn't teach us about things that aren't issues for us. He's saying, I know this is going to be an issue for you. Watch out. And remember, he wrote this to the church. Because unbelievers don't have any way of dealing with this other than the carnal and the fleshly. So he's telling us there's a danger there. Don't repay evil for evil. Why? Because it's a terrible cycle. You sin against me, I repay you evil for evil. Well, guess what? Now you're mad at me even more. Guess what's coming back at me from your way? More evil, more sin, and it's just going. It's just this negative exchange of sin for sin and evil for evil, and it continues and it grows. Because I'm mad at you, and we're dealing with this, and now I'm, I run into an issue with you. Well, now I'm mad at you too, and I, I'm using that same fuel when I'm dealing with you. And so it grows, and it expands, and it continues on, and we know how that plays out. You just end up with a big pile of bodies at the end. It's a bad situation. He's saying, don't repay evil for evil. Listen, forgiveness is the only thing that can stop the spread of that evil. Amen. Forgiveness puts a stop to it. It breaks that cycle. Remember, when someone sins against us, it creates a debt, a sin debt. And we know and we talked about that all of those debts are going to be paid Unforgiveness says, I'm holding the tickets you owe me. I'm the one that's going to collect. I know how much you owe. I've decided how much you owe me based on what you did. And I'm the one who's going to collect on it. I'm carrying the note. And the interesting thing is when we do that, we're never satisfied. It's never paid. Even if we say, well, for them to make that right, they'd have to do this and this and this. Even if they do those things, it doesn't pay the debt in my heart. It doesn't pay it off. They do that and I'm like, I'm still mad about this. Why? Because it, that unforgiveness has settled in. We will never be made whole that way. Forgiveness, on the other hand, is I'm not going to carry the weight of your debt. I'm not going to carry the weight of the sin that you committed against me because Christ forgave me an astronomical amount. He forgave me all of my sins. He forgave me this astronomical amount. And so that gives me the capacity to then forgive you as well. I'm not giving it back to you, but I'm giving it over to him. So forgiveness, when you sin against me, it's you don't owe me anymore. Your business is with him. There's nothing between me and you for me to collect on. You just, it's just between you and him, right? So getting into some of these questions, have I forgiven if I haven't forgotten? Because what do we hear, right? We hear forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. But I'm reading in verse 17 when he says, don't repay evil for evil. But then he says, give careful thought to do what is honorable. Think about this. He, he's like, spend time thinking about this. That, that, that sounds like it's going to our uh, mental thought life, that there's going to be thoughts about this. It's not, hey, don't repay evil for evil. Forget about evil. He says, don't repay evil for evil, but give careful thought to do what is honorable. You know, forgetting when you forget something, it, it, it happens without you knowing that it's happening. 
Forgetting is something you can't consciously do, right? You can only unconsciously do it. Kind of like the, uh, the, the little example, I think it's in a movie, probably out of something else too, where the guy said, if I tell you not to think about elephants, what are you thinking about? Elephants, right? It's just the way your brain works. You, you, you can't consciously forget something. And you know what's really hard to forget? High adrenaline events in your life. The way your brain works, when something happens in your life that's really big happy, really big sad, really big scary, any of those things, adrenaline floods your body and it burns that memory onto your brain. That's why you can remember things that were in some of those categories from years ago, but you can't remember what you had for lunch 10 days ago, or maybe the shirt you wore three days ago, right? Because it wasn't an adrenaline moment. So the things we're talking about that are usually tied up in relationships that we have, when somebody who I care about or who's close to me hurts me, I feel that. It's one of those high adrenaline moments. And so it, it, it's burned into my brain. It's hard to forget those things. So have I forgiven if I haven't forgotten? Let's ask the question. We talked about this last week a little bit when we talked about justice. What does God do? What does God do with us? What have we heard, right? God forgives and he forgets. Have we heard that? Anybody? That he forgives and he forgets our sin. That's what we've heard. And that comes out of Scripture. That position comes from Scripture. People say, well, in Isaiah, he says, I'll blot out your sin I'll remember it no more. In Psalms, it says, I'll move it as far as the east is from the west. In Jeremiah, he says, I'll forgive their iniquity and I'll remember their sin no more. Right? And so we, we, we've kind of taught that, well, God, when you ask for forgiveness, God forgets your sin after he forgives it. And and if you want to land there, that's fine. Right, let's start out there. I think that's absolutely fine. But let me lay something else before you as we're talking about this. Just something else to consider. Because, again, either way, it, it, it's fine. But I want you to hear me out. God is omniscient. Amen? It means he knows everything. And he's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. He has infinite Power. Scripture tells us that birds don't fall to the ground unless he knows about it. Right? And he's got enough power in knowing that he dresses the flowers up like they're going to a banquet, even though they're just going to get mowed over the next day. And, 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 and even the heads of our, of our, the hairs of our head, the heads of our hair. The hairs of our head are numbered. And this is the part where every preacher makes that old joke. Of, Some of us, it's easier to count than others. I'm never going to do that one again. That one bothers me now. <laughs> Take it personal now. You know? But it's an old joke. It's an old joke. But, but the hairs of your head are numbered. And again, he's all-knowing and he's not strained or exhausted by knowing all of those things. He's not. And, and, and so I, I, I looked up some of those texts. And when he said, because in those, he never said, I'll forget it. Let's just say that. He never said, I'll forget it. He did say, I won't, I'll forgive your iniquity and I won't remember it 
anymore. And so I looked up that word remember. And it can mean the opposite of, you know, it can mean if I don't remember that I have forgotten that I don't remember it. But it also can mean uh, translated as mention. I won't remember it anymore. I won't mention it anymore. I won't bring it up anymore. That word remember can also mean to memorialize, to put something up, to always, you know, make a point to point out this is where this happened. And so what I want to lay before you is, you know, maybe he does forget it. I'm having trouble believing that based on the other things that we just talked about. But what if he doesn't forget it? What if he remembers every single sinful thought, moment, act that ever happened in your life or ever will happen in your life? What if he remembers every single one of them, all the thoughts, all the emotions? What what if he remembers all of them, but because of Jesus and your faith in him, he never mentions it against you again? What if he remembers every single one of them and loves you anyway because of Jesus? That landed pretty hard with me as I was studying this. It's like, God, when he talks about blotting it out, it goes to, to ledger books is what my mind goes to. You used to owe me this. I erased it. You don't owe me that anymore. It doesn't mean, I don't believe that means he forgot it. Again, if you want to land the other place, that's fine. I think we end up in the same area. But man, how much bigger is it to go, you remember all of it. And you also remember that it was put on Jesus. And you don't bring it up against me again. I've learned a legal term recently when it comes to uh, lawsuits and charges. That something can be dismissed with prejudice. You've heard that on shows, right? Dismissed with prejudice or dismissed without prejudice. And basically all it means, dismissed with prejudice, means it can never be brought before the court again. Now, if you've ever been sued, you remember that you got sued. But if it was dismissed with prejudice, it means this can never be brought up again. And that's how he sees our sin. He hadn't forgotten about it. But he's dismissed it and he says it'll never be brought up again. I remember everything you ever did, but I'm not going to bring it up against you. He sent his son because he, he, he loved us that much so he could move that out of the way. And he's saying, I'm not going to get mad at you in a year and then bring all your past up again. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because he put it on Jesus. That, that's an image for us of forgiveness. He's not dragging it all up. You may not forget the sin that has been committed against you, but how are you remembering it? Don't focus on the forgetting or not forgetting. When somebody sins against you, you may not forget it. You probably won't, depending on the nature of the relationship and and the depth of the hurt. But how are you remembering it? So you can remember that it happened and then also remember, no, I gave that to Jesus. That's not between me and them anymore. I'm not going to bring that up with them anymore, even in my heart and in my mind. Why? Because I remember also that I gave it to him. 
We're not holding that ticket anymore. Do you have to forget? No, you, you most likely won't. But how are you remembering it? Are you dragging it back up the next time they make you mad? Are you dragging it back up the next time that you see them? Or when it does come up in your sight and in your mind again, are you putting it back at the cross? And going, I'm not carrying that ticket. I'm not carrying that loan paperwork. You don't owe me any more. That's been dismissed from me. That's not coming in this court again. So the next question, what if, what if it still hurts? What if it still hurts? Have I forgiven? Right? Because pain can linger. Grief may even be involved. And again, this can be complex because we can be talking about all different depths of relationship, all different nature of offenses. What do we do if it still hurts? If you break my nose, it's going to hurt for a while. It's not going to be better the next day. It's going to get better, but I'm still going to be dealing with a crooked nose or what, you know, there's going to be some pain that comes along with that. And then sometimes you can have gotten hurt and think you're better. And then you're walking along and then there's a catch. Or you see that person, you thought you were fine. And then you see him like, oh, yeah, I'm still, I still feel that. That's still in here. Because again, I remember when Abby was little, uh, she pointed a lady out to me who was walking and it was obvious she was walking like something had happened either to her hip or to her leg. It wasn't quite a limp, but it was more like you could tell this is the way that she walks. And she said, why does she walk like that? I said, well, at some point she got hurt. At some point she got hurt and it changed to the way that she walked. And man, that just slapped me in the back of the head. And I was like, I'll never forget that. Holy Spirit, thank you. You know, sometimes we can get hurt bad enough that it changes the way that we walk for a little while. And, and, and that pain, it may linger. It may take a little while for us to process that out. Here, here's the key. We can't let that grow into resentment and bitterness. Resentment about the pain is bitterness because you did this to me. You made me feel like this. I still feel this way. And we just get pulled right back into that terrible cycle. Bitterness over being treated in an unfair way or a hurtful way. Don't let the pain grow into resentment and bitterness. And you'll know if it is. Because you'll, you'll be able to tell their name won't come up. The thought won't come up without you going. Mm. Right. When you start to feel that, you know, you got some stuff to take care of. You know, you've got some stuff in there that you're not walking in forgiveness with. Resentment and bitterness are like the infection that sets in when a cut or a wound hasn't been treated properly. When it hasn't been cared for rightly, infection can set in. And, that, and that's bitterness and resentment where it's like, this isn't getting better. In fact, it's getting worse. It hurts more. Why? Because that's all it can do. What, what you haven't realized is you're carrying their sin in you. And all sin can do is corrupt and break down and bring death. So if you find that working in you, that's why we're carrying something that we should have laid down. 
We're holding on to a debt that, that we can't ever be made whole from, and it's killing and hurting us. So what if it still hurts? The pain may linger for a little bit. It just might. And, and, and you have to work through that by the power of the Spirit. There's a reason he calls him the comforter, okay? He helps us when we hurt. But what I would tell you is don't help the offense hurt you more by hanging on to it. It's only going to hurt you the longer that you hang on to it and it's going to turn into bitterness. So have I forgiven if it still hurts? Maybe. But you need to, again, it can be so complex when you're dealing with the issues of the heart. How is this you know, God, let me lay this before you. Am I repaying evil for evil here? How am I handling this? Because I don't want to grow in bitterness. I want to be released from this. What about have I forgiven if I haven't reconciled with the one who hurt me, the one who sinned against me? Have I forgiven if we're not back like we were, right? Remember verse 18. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If possible, tells me, you know what? Ain't always possible. It's not always possible to live at peace with all people. But he is saying, if possible, as much as it depends on you. Which also tells me it ain't all up to me. There's a certain amount of it that's up to me. There's a certain amount of that possibility that depends on me. Because listen, it's a problem for you if the problem is you. He's saying, if possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. But here's what I know. It is difficult for you to be reconciled to someone who won't repent. I didn't say it's difficult for you to forgive someone who won't repent. You can forgive someone and they can still be off doing whatever they're doing. That's not between them and you. That's between you and God. But reconciliation means that we're back in relationship. And it's, it, it's near impossible, especially for a believer to be reconciled to anybody who's living in unrepentant sin. It just is. How, again, how does God handle that? If we're walking in unrepentant sin... Is he in relationship with us or is he separated from us? Are we separated from him? How's that work? Right? So it makes sense that some of it's going to function the same way for us. I can forgive you. You're not going to be living rent free in my head, but I may not give you that key back to my house. Right? Why? If possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all Men, forgiveness of another from your heart doesn't mean reconciliation. Look, that should be the goal. That's what we want. That's what we want it to get to. Lord willing, it'll happen. But forgiveness does not mean we wipe out all boundaries. It doesn't mean that. Again, I, I may have forgiven you, but I can't walk with you right now because of what you're doing, what you're choosing to do, I can forgive you without making myself a doormat for your habitual 
sin, right? And again, this is so complex when you're talking about relationships. But, but, but we have this idea, well, and, and people will even say, you're a Christian. You have to forgive me. You have to let me back in. Hold on those two different things. I am a Christian and I am forgiving you. But we, we, we're going to walk different for a little bit. We're going to walk different for a little bit. Because again, when we're talking about close relationships, deep hurts, boundaries can be a blessing. Boundaries can be helpful in that reconciliation. Again, verse 18, if possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Reconciliation takes place as trust is returned through a mutual commitment. We both have to be reconciling. I can't be reconciled to you if you're still wanting to act all this way. I can forgive you. I can pray for you. I can seek that reconciliation. But look, give careful thought to do what is honorable. And if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I can't live at peace with you if you are being abusive and manipulative against me. I can't. I can love you. I can pray for you. I can support you. We don't walk the same. Right? Again, reconciliation is the goal. We're going to get into that. Reconciliation is the goal. That's God's heart. But it takes two to reconcile. Right? And boundaries can be a blessing. And if someone loves you and wants to be reconciled with you, they welcome that. Right? They welcome that. If, they, if, they, if they're coming back in and you're saying like, look, because of what happened, here's some things we need to put in place. And that anger and temper goes up, that's when we got to watch out. Like, hey, because of what happened, we're, we're not going to have as much opportunity for secrets and issues in here. We're going to be a lot more open. Well, I don't want to be open. Well, hold on. Why not? Why not? Well, you're supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to forgive me. Everything's supposed to be fine. I forgive you. I'm not carrying your sin dead. But I'm also not going to line up and take another one on the chin when you're still acting the same way. All right, I'm going to move on from that. Forgiveness. Is it, a, is it a private matter? Is it just in my heart? Is this a secretive thing? How does that work? And again, maybe it is. There's situations where you don't have to tell anybody that you've forgiven them. You don't have to tell anybody that they even, you know, that, that you took offense at what happened. But again, it's complex. And the deeper the relationship and the more egregious the offense, the more need there is for communication and even confrontation. That's the, one of the words I would use in this communication and confrontation. And again, it varies. There's this huge range. If a stranger acts ugly to you in the Walmart checkout line, you don't have to have a big discussion about it. You just go, instead of me being mad at you for the rest of the afternoon, I just go, God, I don't know what his problem was, but I hope his day gets better and I'm not going to let it ruin mine. There you go. If a stranger commit, we talked about this last week. I mean, if a crime is committed against you, a serious offense is committed against you, there needs to be some confrontation in there and it's probably going to involve law enforcement. 
right? And then we've got the issues of those deep relationships, family, friends, body of Christ, folks that we're close to. When something happens, if it's something small, maybe you didn't even intend what you intended. I can just move on past that. But the bigger it gets, the more need there is for communication. And if I'm confronting you, that word can be, you know, tough. I'm going to confront them. It just means we're going to deal with this face to face, in person, not over text, because man, that can get things even more messed up, right? Let's talk about this. I learned that a long time ago. People send me an email like, this sounds really bad. I'm going to call them. I'm not firing back an email on this. <laughs> we're going to talk. And usually it, it, it's, it, it's worked out there. But confrontation, when, when I say that, I, I want you to understand Again, the, the, the goal of that should be restoration and reconciliation. Like, hey, with what happened, here's how that made me feel. You know, talking about some of these are, hey, what, what, what happened was just wrong. It was just wrong. It shouldn't have happened. And, and you deal with things out in the open, again, with the goal being restoration and reconciliation. And hopefully that does a couple of things. Maybe it'll wake them to what actually happened. They may not realize it. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize, I didn't realize that that was, I didn't even realize I said that. Oh my, I didn't mean it like that. Wake them to what happened. Hopefully move them to repair, right? That, that, that gap there. And then at minimum, when we do that, we, we restrain them, whoever them is, from, from doing this to, to us again, at least without acknowledging it. Or, you know, again, because this goes from like little simple things like you hurt my feelings to, I mean, there's, there's some big bad stuff that we have to deal with in life. And, and that confrontation can constrain them from doing that to somebody else. You see these situations where someone is a habitual abuser and it just continues on and continues on and continues on because there wasn't ever that level of confrontation where somebody said, hey, we're putting a stop to this right now. Yeah. And, and, and so maybe at least at minimum what that does is the, the, that confrontation and communication constrains that from happening to somebody else. And, I, and again, we don't have to go into all the details. We're not talking about just like you hurt my feelings, right? I mean, we all kind of know there's a range of things that can happen to us in this life. We're talking about the stuff that's down here on this end. I don't, and we talked about that last week. The guys want to get out of prison. No, I, I believe you should still be constrained in what you, where you are for the safety of everybody else. It just is what it is. So should it be private? Maybe. Maybe you should go to them. And depending on the situation, see, everybody goes to the spot where Jesus said, hey, if you have a problem with them, go to them first. Just you and them. Well, there's certain situations where that's going to be really problematic, isn't it? It's like, wait, wait a second. No, this doesn't fit in that. So that's not the answer all. We're like, well, I, the Bible says where I have to start is I have to go face them. I can't face this person with what, with what happened. It, that's not the prescription across everything. Okay. It's just, it's just not. 
but it should be done in the body. Amen. Confrontation. Forgiveness with the goal being restoration and reconciliation. And again, forgiveness, our motivation is love. And in that confrontation, don't do that if your motive isn't love. You, I'm not giving you that. He said, we can go, I'm going to confront you. I got permission. No, check your heart. Where's your heart at in it? You know, pray on that. Seek some counsel on that. And then walk it out in a way that you know, again, consider carefully, give careful thought to what's going to be honorable for you to do. Because if anybody does the right thing in the situation, let it be you. Okay. Motivation of forgiveness and even con con that confrontation should be love. Even if it's love always protects. Right. I'm almost done. Go back to chapter 12. And I want to read that part again and I want to go down through 20 and 21. I want to close out there. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Don't get involved in that terrible cycle. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you'll be heaping fiery coals on his head. Don't be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. So let, let's talk about this. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. That's out of the book of Proverbs. And I'm going to be honest, reading that, I had some trouble with that. <laughs> right? He says, if he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And obviously there's a direct application there. If you see your enemy hungry, He's saying, feed him. If you see your enemy thirsty, give him something to drink. We don't usually deal with that part though, right? That's not usually something that's coming up. Like where I keep running into people that I had ought against and they're like, I'm so hungry. I don't have anything to eat. Like that's not a situation that comes up very often. If it does, we've got an application. We see what to do. But, but what, I, what I came to meditating on this more and more is the question, what do you want for your enemy? at enmity with you, who has caused you so much trouble, who's caused you pain. What is it that you want for them? Do you rejoice in their lack and their discomfort? Would you be happy to hear that something bad happened to them? Right? Those are little red flags for your heart. Would you be happy to hear that they were uncomfortable or they were having a hard time? Or do you want them to be filled and their thirst to be quenched? What do you want for them? Is your response, my heart's desire for you is that, that you know good things that you know the fullness of having Christ, the satisfying thirst uh, or the satisfying of your thirst and all your desires found in him. Is that what we want for them? Because that's what scripture is directing us towards. 
What do I want for you? Do I want, and we talked about that last week. I think that was Kelly's point when she said, do you think you'll ever forgive him? What she meant was, do you think you'll ever want good things for him? Will you ever have good desires for this person? And again, scripture tells us when we're lost, it's like hungry and thrashing in the darkness. I think that's in the book of Isaiah. That we're thrashing in the darkness, hungry, unable to be filled. Again, while you're doing that, I may not stand close to you. But what is it that my heart wants for you? What is it that our heart wants for those that would, we would have considered our enemies or that they may consider themselves our enemy? What does my heart want for them? Not evil for evil. That can't be the answer. If we find we're rejoicing in their discomfort, that's unforgiveness. And guess what? It ain't hurting them. It's hurting you. The old quote, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It just, that's how it works. It's not hurting them at all. Your unforgiveness against them is only hurting you. And we have to remember that and go, why, why am I allowing what they already did to hurt me to keep hurting me? He said, this is a serious issue for our heart and for our life. It's not evil for evil. We don't want to become, be overcome by evil, but we want to overcome evil with good. And, and we have to remember even our enemies, even those that have hurt us, everybody's a candidate for redemption. Everybody's a candidate for redemption. And so your prayer can be, God, they hurt me and they set themselves as my enemy. I really don't want them to keep being my enemy. In my heart first, help my heart first, but I want you to make them my brother or my sister in Christ. I want you to transform them and turn their life around the way that you did mine. I want you to forgive all of their sins the way that you forgave Mine. I want you to transform them by the power of the Holy Spirit, the way that you're transforming me. He said, when your enemy's hungry, feed him. Want to see him fed. Want to see the thirsty quenched. And that's one of the main things that's different about you as a Christian. Because when hate and unforgiveness are the norm, love and grace are a miracle. And miracles point people to the Father. That's why I said forgiveness is a supernatural act of faith. It's not a natural thing. It's not going to happen just, oh, I think I forgave him. No. It's a supernatural, above what you can do, act of faith, meaning you're seeing the way that God sees with the gift of faith that he's giving you. It's empowered by grace that's been exercised first in your life that he's given you, which is sufficient for you. It's given you new capacity that you didn't have before. And it glorifies God the Father because everybody knows you don't just find that down here. You can't muster that up in yourself. It's a supernatural act of faith empowered by grace that glorifies God the Father. Amen. Amen. If y'all want to get ready to come, lead us in a singing. I want to pray for us as we get ready to go today. Because again, this is, this is serious stuff for us. It's important stuff for us. And we shouldn't overlook it in our heart or in our life. And we shouldn't settle for it when we start to see those red flags pop up, those red flags of unforgiveness, some of the things we talked about. 
We shouldn't just go, eh, I'm, eh, deal with that later because what it does is it's going to grow and it's going to be harder for you to uproot from your heart as you go. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for your great grace towards us. Lord, I pray that we will see with eyes of faith. God, forgive us for carrying the sins of others, feeling like we could make a difference if we kept it in our hands. Lord, we want to turn that over to you. We want to forgive those who have hurt us, who have sinned against us. We don't want that sin to harm us anymore. And God, for our enemies, that we would see them the way that you see them as a candidate for redemption. Lord, that we'll pray for their salvation or their reconciliation to you. Pray for their restoration, that we'll see the hungry be filled and the thirsty have their thirst quenched. God, that we'll understand that you're big and you're holy and we can trust you with these things. That you'll give us wisdom to not carry that sin debt in our own self, bringing about corruption and death in our life, but we'll give it to you. That their business isn't with us anymore, but we're t we, we've turned that over to you. Revoking the opportunity for revenge. Not avenging ourselves, but giving place to your wrath or your grace, whichever comes first. And I thank you for the freedom that we'll find in our heart and in our mind as we walk in forgiveness that you've made available to us only by first forgiving us. Lord, as we get ready to go today, I thank you that you protect us and keep us safe, that we walk in unity with each other as we leave. Love and peace. Lord, for those that who are out from us today, we've got some traveling. Lord, keep them safe. Watch over them and I thank you that they won't run into any accident, incident, but you deliver them safely to their destination. And Lord, I know we've got some out from us today working. I thank you that they do so to your glory as if they're doing it to you. And Lord, we've got some out from us uh, infirm in their bodies. Lord, we pray that you heal them, strengthen them, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within them, that you'll quicken that mortal body. Lord, that the spirit on the inside of us sustains us even during physical weakness. And I thank you, Lord, that you are well able to rise us up from the bed of infirmity or affliction in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for grace that is sufficient unto every situation in the meantime. Lord, we love you. And I thank you that you're teaching us the ways of your kingdom. The better, not just the better way, but the best way the way that's going to lead to life for us, those around us, and those we'll come to know soon. I thank you that you bless this in Jesus' name. Amen.